Our text today is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Very familiar, right? Proverbs. Who doesn't know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 memorized? We all do, don't we? It's a great verse, great verses. The title of the message is, Who's in Control? It's a very appropriate question for my heart. I don't know about yours, but I love it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Let's pray. Father, we have the subject before us. We have the verses. Now we want you to speak to our hearts. And Lord, we want to listen. We want to learn. We want to obey. And help us to take something away from these very familiar verses that would help us in a very tangible way as we move throughout this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. These two verses, as I've already mentioned, are very important for all of us. Uh, you may not feel this way particularly as you read the verses, but uh, it, is, it is very satisfying to be led by the Lord and to know that He is in control of one's life. I trust that you are consciously aware of this all the time, every day of your life. It, it's so very, very important. And there are many decisions to be made in life, and the Lord is interested in helping us in every one of those decisions. That's why I've entitled the message, Who's in Control? It is great just knowing God cares and will help us in the important matters of life and the small ones as well. And I hope that you are interested in God directing you every day of your life in everything you do. Nothing exempted. There are four ways you can know when God's in control. Here they are. Number one, first, God is in control when we fully trust Him. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty simple, but it's also pretty profound. <clears throat> trust in the Lord with all your heart. How in the world do you do that? Trust. Great word, isn't it? Trust. It means to believe it can be done. You see, it's so simple that sometimes we just kind of go to the next verse or next phrase without even thinking about it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There, you see, there are three viewpoints about trust. One of them says, I don't believe God can do it. And you may be here today going through something and you believe that God can't do it. That's one of the viewpoints. The next one is, perhaps God can do it. Kind of a little question mark. Perhaps God can do it. But then there's the third that says, I know God can do it. That's the kind of trust that we're talking about today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, it takes a decision to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him for my situation. I hope that you will do likewise today through whatever you're going through. You're going to trust Him for your situation. And how do we trust Him? I believe the best way to help us know how to trust Him is, let's look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Uh, these are very well-known verses. And I only want to bring to you five different things, very briefly, because this is just a sideline and part of the outline, five different things that will help you to trust the Lord, to trust the Lord. 
Psalm 37, verse 5 says, this verse I use, I've used it for years and years and years. I use it every time I go to the hospital to pray with someone before surgery or a crisis in their lives, and I use it many other times as well. It's a beautiful verse. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. It's a great verse. So, the way you trust the Lord, Proverbs 3, verse 5, is that you commit your way to the Lord. And we don't have time to talk about how you do that, but we'll touch on it a little later, a little bit. So, number one is you commit your way to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It may be hard for you to understand that God appreciates the fact that you would delight yourself in him. And sometimes we go through life and we have so much stuff going on that we don't have time to delight ourselves in the Lord. But God says, if you want to trust me, you commit your way to me and then you learn to delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. A great promise. Why don't we learn to do it? The third thing in Psalm 37 verse 7 says, rest in the Lord. Boy, that's a toughie. How many of us have just learned to just roll our burden upon him and rest in him? So much could be said about that as well. Then look at the next one. It says, wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for him. We are pretty impatient people. And sometimes we ask him for something and we want him to show us. And we don't want to wait. But he says, wait patiently Wait patiently. And the, the next one is in, in the same, same verses here, and that is, the, the verse because verse 7 has all of these in there. It says, Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So the, the, the fifth one is do not fret. We are a fretting bunch of people, folks. We fret over this. We fret over that. We, we can manufacture things to fret about. When things don't go our way, we fret. We just do a lot of fretting. And Jesus and God, through this verse, says, do not fret. So if you fret and if I fret, we are disobedient. We're not doing it right. God says, don't fret. <clears throat> the first time I took an airplane ride, that was a long time ago in Arizona, um, I was bringing sample, a sample of water from a well at our summer camp up at Prescott Pines down to Arizona, down to Phoenix, to have it tested in the laboratories to see if it was okay to drink. And I was the one carrying this specimen of water to the, to the uh, laboratories in Phoenix, down in Phoenix. And I'll tell you, it was the first time I was ever on an airplane, and I'll tell you, it was a bumpy trip. Talking about bumpy trips, where's Jerry Ward? Our, yeah, well, he's out here somewhere. I heard he had a bumpy trip, too. <clears throat> it was an awful bumpy trip, and I didn't, uh, I didn't sit very good in the seat. You know what I'm talking about? Do you ever try to help the pilot out? <laughs> you you, you kind of you lift up off as if it's going to help? <laughs> well, that's what, that's what uh, not trusting is all about. You, 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 you sit tight in the chair and let the Lord do the, the flying. We, one of our trips back to Brazil one time, I, I looked, we were on the old Constellation airplane, remember those? And I looked over and there was a guy 
he was so nervous, like a, a cat on a tin roof. And I said, I wonder what's going through his mind. And finally, I had the courage to talk to him. I said, sir, what's wrong? He said, well, I manufacture spark plugs. And he said, I hear a rattle in the, one of these engines and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> he was not enjoying the trip at all. <laughs> we were trying to get down to the mission field to serve the Lord and he was having trouble with a little noise in one of the engines. Uh, learn to sit tight, fret not, trust. Some people aren't so patient. We took our son on our last major trip around Brazil before he would come back and go to college. And we had a, a, an old Chevrolet, well, a Chevrolet that's made in Europe, and we had it all nice. It, was, it looked like a brand new car, and we were having a wonderful trip. And Raleigh sat in the back seat, and we were in the front seat. And I do declare that less than every mile, Raleigh said to us, hurry up. Well, we were going to we go 8,000 miles. And, he, and we start out from Natal where we live, and he said, he said that probably every 30 minutes for the whole trip. Hurry up. He wasn't very patient. Some people fret about everything. Cast your, Psalm 50, 55, verse 22, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The word casting your, uh, all your care means commit. It means to roll on. It means to giving to. It means to believing in, trusting him. One time we had uh, Dr. Gage from... Uh, in the Midwest, one pastor of a big church, I think it was Wealthy Street Baptist Church, and he was on this platform, and he gave us a series of messages, and he had a great big basket over here, but before the meeting, he had given us all a piece of paper and says, write one of your concerns or worries on this piece of paper, please, so we all did, and believe it or not, after the service, he had us all come up and toss them in this basket. Now, he said, that's what 1 Peter 5, 7 is all about. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. But you know what some people do? Some people throw the piece of paper in the wastebasket, and then when the church service is over, they go back and retrieve it and unroll it and just kind of wallow in it. You know what I mean? Cast your care upon him and leave it there. What a wonderful, wonderful lesson that we need to learn. Vance Habner, that great Southern Baptist preacher. You ever, did you ever hear him preach? I got to hear him preach. He used to say, he used to say when he would stand, uh, there would be a choir loft, and then he would stand there at the pulpit, and he, he would dismiss the choir because he says, when people look at the back of my head, it looks like my face anyway, because he was, he was really bald. And he, 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 was, he was always very humorous. He was always very humorous. Anyway... Vance Habner tells this story. There was an elderly lady who was disturbed by her problems. They were, some were real, some were imaginary. And the family member said to her, Grandma, we've done all we can for you. You'll just have to trust God for the rest. And despair just came all over her face. And she said, Oh dear, has it come to that? <laughs> you see, that's the way you may feel. Instead of just giving it to God, oh, has it come to that? Okay, the second thing to do to know who's in control is in our text today, 
on the little phrase, lean not on your own understanding. God's in control when we are not self-sufficient. This is hard for us folks to really comprehend because we have been taught to be self-sufficient. We are instructed to be self-sufficient, to get along and do everything okay. But you see, God looks at it a little differently and he says he is in control when we are not self-sufficient kind of diametrically opposed to the modern, the modern teaching and thinking in the world today. Self-sufficient people are saying, God, I don't need you. And I don't think anyone in this room would say that, surely. God, I don't need you. Folks, we really do need him in our lives. Jeremiah 10, 23 has a great verse. Uh, it says, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in a man who walks to direct his own steps. We need someone to help us along life's pathway. I remember one time um, a group of people took me as a teenager and several others from Arizona, clear to Wisconsin to some big camp back there, and we were traveling for hours and hours and hours, and we were never getting near our destination, it appeared, and someone finally realized we had made the wrong turn on the, at the fork of the road uh, two or three hours back that way. So we were in a different part of Wisconsin than we were supposed to be. Well, that's the way a lot of people live their lives. They, they, have, they have never learned to trust the Lord and get instruction, so they're going on the wrong fork of the, of the roadway, and things are in a mess. John 15, 5 says, Without me, Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. Do we believe that? Without me, you can do nothing. Well, I'll tell you, some fellows... Some fellows over in the uh, Wenatchee apple orchard storage bins found out about that one time. You see, these street people, they walk by our good friend, whose dad was a member of our church, um, uh, Freeburg. Uh, he was the one that ran some of these huge refrigerated storage units for apples, tons and tons of apples. And there are no doors. There are no doors on the apple sheds. You just go by and just see all these millions of tons of apples, and all there is is just a curtain of air. The guys who walk the streets don't know that when you get past the curtain of air, you can't breathe because there is no oxygen. So they walk in there to get an, they walk in there to get an apple, and they, the first breath, they're on the floor. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? You see... <clears throat> Without Jesus, you can do nothing. The sooner we can learn to believe that, dear folks, we are better off. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. How true it is. Proverbs 28, verse 26, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. You know, we had a, we had a guy in our seminary in Brazil. We were in that part of Brazil for about 14 years in Natal, and uh, his name was uh, José Ferreira, nice guy, smart, but he did know it all. He knew too much. He thought that he knew it all, and that's where he made the mistake. So one day I gave him, I took my, the main desk drawer out of my desk, and I said, I said, José, I said, take this little uh, lock that locks this drawer, Take it all apart, oil it, put it back together, put it in the drawer, put it in my desk, please. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He did. Put it all back together, 
put it in the drawer, and I said, how'd it go? He said, well, it's pretty good, he says, but um, here are three pieces. I don't know where they won't go. <laughs> oh, really? So the crazy thing wouldn't lock, of course. You know, it looked real good, but it wouldn't lock because he left three, because see, he was so confident. He knew how to get the lock back together, but he wasn't careful on how he dismantled it. So he was self-sufficient and knew the answer, he thought, but he had no clue where the parts went. Isn't that true in life sometimes? We get to a situation, we think, oh boy, we can do it. And then when it gets a little more into the project, we find out that, "Uh uh-oh, there are parts left over. We don't know where they go, and we need God's help. That's why Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Martin Luther said it, he said it so very well, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Have you ever placed your life in God's hands and say, Lord, here it is. I don't know how to direct my own way. I need your help so desperately. That's what God wants to hear from you and me. It is a sin to live independently of God, said Adam Clark. Here is a third way we can know that God is in control. It's by that little phrase, in all your ways acknowledge Him. God is in control when we acknowledge the Lord always. Now, you almost think it's repetitive because we've said these things already, but we need to hear it again because the reinforcement is good because we need to hear them. They're so important. Remember the Lord always in everything you do. That's, that's pretty hard. In other words, is it a sin to pray before you get in the car and drive down to Ferndale even though you've done... My mother drove my... I don't know why my dad never drove. He did drive, but maybe drove her crazy. That's probably what it was. But he, he, my mother drove my dad to work for probably 30 years in the same place on Jackson Street down there in Phoenix, Arizona. And my mother never, ever got in the car to take dad to work in the morning, go get him in the afternoon without asking God to direct her way to Jackson Street where my dad worked. Well, now, mother, you've been doing it for 30 years. You know the way real well. Do you really have to pray about it? You'd have to know my mother, Annetta. How many knew Annetta? A few of you did. Mother prayed about everything. One day of the many, many hundreds that she had prayed for God's direction on the trip to Jackson Street to take my dad to work. The Lord had just impressed her to go a little different way. You know, there are many ways to get to a destination in a big city like Phoenix, and she did. Well, she got home and she heard that the regular route that she usually took, a flash flood came to Phoenix. That's kind of rare. Dry old place. And the roads were, were inundated, and the water was up, you know, covering the engines of the cars on the road that she usually would take. But that particular day, the Lord just impressed her to go this way instead of that way. But see, that's what it's all about, by asking God to bless your goings and your comings. And that's why I never thought it was such a bad thing to pray every time I get in the car and go anywhere because God can direct you even that way and make you go the right way instead of the wrong way and get into a flood. It's very practical, folks. Paul Larson said this, If a person divides his life in two so that part of his allegiance is to God and part is to himself, 
he's going to introduce two warring elements into his consciousness. Guilt, hostility, and conflict will result. This divided allegiance is one of the leading causes of nervous breakdowns among Christian people today. Interesting, isn't it? Conflicts. When you acknowledge the Lord, you have done what is your duty to do God's will. God takes on himself the special care of this person, and the believer ought never to be afraid of anything that will happen when you give yourself to him that way. Now there's a fourth thing that we can know that God is in control. It's in the little phrase, and he will direct your path. God's in control when he directs all our paths. Is he directing your way today, my friend? Is he? Remember, there are no shortcuts. It's only God's way. The wrong way always seems the more reasonable, said George Moore, but it's not. See, did you catch that? The wrong way always seems the more reasonable, but it's not. You see, it may look good. It has nice things in it. Friends think it's okay. It feels good. Everything is working out okay with me on this road. It's beautiful, but it's the wrong road, see, because God didn't put you on it. You better make sure that your day's activities are directed by God. It's such a sweet experience to fall into his arms and let him lead you step by step and know what's going on. It's so special. <clears throat> Marge and I were pulling the fifth wheel trailer. Well, we weren't. The truck was. And, uh, and, uh, and, we, were, and we, we were on Highway 99 and we were going to turn off of the eight-mile road that we know so very well. And we turned off on the eight-mile road in Stockton to go to our good friend at Faith Baptist Church. And we kept going and going. I says, doesn't seem to be, doesn't feel right. Something's wrong here. And we landed up way out in the middle of nowhere. And I finally pulled up to the station and says, uh, we always turn off at this. He says, you turned the wrong way. Have you, do you feel like that you've turned the wrong way? Are you, on, are you on the wrong road right now? See, let God get you on the right way. I stopped and got instructions, and thank God the man knew all about it, knew how to get me back on track, and, and we did, and I was so very, very happy. If you're uneasy in the way that you are traveling, my friend, stop and admit you need help and get it from God and get back on track. When you walk with God, you get there. No, when you walk with God, you get where he's going. Don't you want to be where he's going? Of course we do. However... However far you go, it is not much use if it is not in the right direction, said Barclay. Isn't that amazing? Just tramp and tramp and tramp all over God's heaven or God's earth and never get to the destination because you're not on the right road. Can't you hear God trying to get your attention today? Listen to Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. What direction from God is so very, very special. There's no situation I can get into that God cannot get me out of. That's the important thing. He'll get you out of the predicament that you're in right now if you will allow him. <clears throat> in Brazil, traveling at night, 
we would often have the seminary seminary students in our in our uh, Volkswagen bus. We called them micro buses. And you know, <clears throat> we'd be coming. It'd be late at night after a meeting. We were trying to get back, to, you know, the long distance back to the seminary. And I would look up on this, these dangerous roads out in northeast Brazil, and I'd see something in the far distance with my headlights of the car, and I knew what was coming. There someone had put a huge stack of limbs, weeds, and junk in the middle of the road so I would not go down that road. Why? Well, they don't have signal lights and all these fancy things and, you know, temporary signs, so some kind person put a barrier up so I would not go in where the road was washed out by a flash flood or something was I couldn't get through with the car. What a blessing! Isn't it nice to think that, dear folks, there may be a roadblock on your road today? God has so gently and kindly put something in the roadway so you can't get beyond that because beyond that roadblock is something that is not good for you. Trust your life to Him. Take the signs and allow Him to work in a very special way. I pray God will put a huge roadblock in your path today, my friend, if you're traveling the wrong road. How about you? Are, you? are you stuck in trouble? Do you need help? Call upon the Lord and He will help you. You may be here without Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Him as your Savior. Boy, that's a roadblock. Trust Him. Give your life to Him. And let Him know that you want Him to lead in your life every step of the way. Let's pray. Father, we humbly bow in Your presence. And we thank you for your word. It's so special. Oh, how it speaks to our hearts. We need to listen. And I pray that we have listened today. Dear folks, are you here today and there's a roadblock? There's a need in your life and you just need someone to help pray with you about it? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. Of course, I won't mention your name. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? God bless you. Lord, bless these who have needs. We all do, Lord. We would all put our hands up if we're honest. Help us to give those to you and let you work our lives out for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.